I think it was a black thing. I think that, you know, I mean, I can only, I know, um, I don't know if I should name names, but said to my agent, what can I give Alison? She's fat and she's black. Then he said of another wonderful, wonderful black singer who was really on top notch. She was my role model. What am I going to give this person because she's short and she's black? So I think the common denominator was black. Hello and welcome to OperaCast Extra, our new monthly series providing a deep dive into a topic, opera, production or event. I'm your host, David Ward. Over the next few months, we've episodes lined up going behind the scenes at the Royal Opera House and bringing you in-depth coverage straight from the 2020 Glyndebourne Opera Cup. This month, we're looking into one of those subjects that just won't go away, the issue of opera and race. The voice you heard at the opening of this episode is that of Alison Buchanan. Alison is a black British soprano who is based predominantly in the US, however she's also the artistic director of the London-based Pegasus Opera, who promote the talents of black singers in the UK. Well, Pegasus was started by a dear, dear, dear friend of mine called Lloyd Newton. I met him uh, in that Porgy and Bess production at Glyndebourne, and he was playing my brother, I think, and we became firm friends at that point. And um, after Glyme, after Glyndebourne, and then after, uh, which was in '86, I believe, and then after Covent Garden, Lloyd found that you know although. There was a lot of opportunity doing the Porgy and Bess, doing the film, doing the recording, that the, the work seemed to stop everywhere else. And it was very difficult as a black singer to get work in things that were not black related. While we were at Glyndebourne, we were asked by EMI to do the showboat for us. And then I remember we all did some at the, for the Almeida Festival, we did Lost in the Stars. Um, but then it was it was very um, short-lived, all these opportunities. So he thought that he would start an opera company that, um, and the, the sort of thing that we say is harmony and diversity. And he wanted to have a multicultural opera company, but with a bias towards black singers to give them an opportunity. So that started 28 years ago. And that was the, the reason for Pegasus, to sort of demystify opera, to make it more inclusive um, and to create opportunities for black singers. Looking back at our first 12 months of OperaCast, the issue of opera and race is one we've been forced to return to again and again. We've had Grange Park struggling to cast their Porgy and Bess, blacking up controversies all over Europe, new schemes for choristers, orchestral musicians and directors at ENO, and countless think pieces on the so-called problem operas. Let's check some stats which aren't conclusive, but do begin to paint a picture. Just 5 out of 170 permanent choristers in the UK opera companies are from BAME backgrounds. 10% of ENO's audience in 1718 were from BAME backgrounds, a big rise on previous years, but 35% of Londoners are from these communities. And according to stats from the Arts Council's major funded organisations in 1617, the latest year we have such stats, just 9% of the Royal Opera House workforce were from BAME communities, and that goes down to just 1% at Opera North. 
However, it must be said that 20% of staff at Opera North are listed as unknown. Here's Alison reflecting the perceptions she had at the start of her career in the late 1980s. Now, interestingly, when I started singing, I thought that opera, I was the only, must be the only black person singing opera because there was nobody that I had as a reference in this country. And I didn't sort of, you know, my parents were not immersed in opera and they've become much more knowledgeable over the years, of course. Um, But I thought I must be the only person in England. 30 years on, I wondered what Alison thought some of the remaining barriers were to talent breaking through. Ultimately, I think, see me hesitating, I, I do think that, you know, if you're good and you work hard, then you should be able to go forward and without the sort of leg up, but that's not the reality. And what I see is that I, like when we all do auditions for Pegasus, I see amazing, amazing singers who don't who leave college they're not given the opportunity to hone their craft and so they start losing a bit of their edge then they have to get a job in order to finance themselves and so you know now they're focusing and and not just black singers white singers as well but now they're having to focus on earning a living pay their bills and so they're not sort of focusing on their on their craft And over time, they sort of lose their edge because they're not given the opportunities to hone. I did a concert with uh, Sir Colin Davis. I did a few things with him. And in Germany with the Bayerisches Rundfunk. And I was Mr. Solemnus. And I squawked like a chicken. The first time I'd ever done that. And it was my fault because I, you know, when a conductor, when somebody like Sir Colin Davis is indicating for you to be quieter and quieter and he's going slower and slower, you know, you're just trying to please him. Whereas if I was, you know, a diva, um, like a Jesse Norman or someone, I would just ignore him and sing, use my voice and sing as I should be instead of trying to futz around. And so I, I it, you know, it didn't go well for me and it happened twice. So I spoke to him afterwards and I apologised and I said, you know, I'm sorry, um, you know, I'm sure you will never use me. He goes, oh, no, no, that's how you learn. That's how you learn. And, and and he did use me again and that was and that was very eye opening for me because he was he said, you know, you make mistakes and then you learn and then you carry on. Whereas I feel like um most black singers don't have that opportunity. It's like you have to go and be amazing and then that's it. You know, you don't get another opportunity. I was very fortunate in Colin and his mindset. Now there are many other barriers which affect all singers, but statistically more so those from BAME communities. One that isn't often discussed is economic. Multiple government reports and statistics point to pay gaps between white and black workers in the UK. With the many years of training involved in becoming a singer, not to mention travel, masterclasses, ongoing coaching, auditions and living costs, becoming a singer more and more is the privilege of the more affluent. Something which affects all singers, but can especially impact on those from backgrounds where long-standing pay gaps preside. I asked Alison how and why she thought change might be made within the opera sector. Well, it, ha- it has to, it has to, um, it's, it's a bit of grassroots, but it's also those houses have to see the importance of opening the doors. And they are beginning to because there is money in it, you know, and, and, and I'm a bit cynical because I always think, well, you know, they, they are, because of the grants that are available, 
they are touting diversity, but do they really believe in diversity? Do they really want to do diversity? Um, as, as Pegasus, as we move forward, you know, we are having people come and they want to collaborate, they want to, and I think that's wonderful because we have to normalize it. It shouldn't be, oh, look, there's a, oh, look, they have a black singer singing um, the Contessa in Marriage of Figaro. It shouldn't be that. And it should be just, oh, look at that wonderful singer. It should be normalized. And I think in America, it's much more normalized. You know, you don't think twice about if you go to an opera and see a black singer singing any role. Um, and I think that that's what we need more of. Um, I know ETO did uh, a Marriage of Figaro a few years ago, a couple of years ago, I think, where it was all black singers and things. And that's good because you have to change perceptions and if you want to invite or not invite what's the word include um or think about the next generation of opera opera people that go to sit on the seats you have to you can't do the same thing with in 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 the black opera i think or or when you the problem why people don't go to the royal opera house is why are you going to the royal opera house or a place like that when you don't see anybody who represents you I also asked Alison what she thought of reserving places for BAME singers, such as Ian O have recently introduced for their chorus. Well, you know, I, I never have been, I have to say. Um, but I think that if that's the thing that will change your mind, you know, um, and, and, and make things change, then yes, because then, then it gives those people an opportunity where they wouldn't have an opportunity and then they can go and show that they're as good as. Alison is very ready and willing to talk about these issues. However, not all singers of colour are so keen to discuss them, and nor should they have to. I interviewed Elizabeth Llewellyn for our February podcast and asked her if she took pride in comments highlighting her background, such as those from Rupert Christensen, who described Elizabeth as the first black British soprano to establish herself at the top level. Mm, it's a it's an interesting question. It's a big question, um, and it's uh, it's really an an area that I'd prefer not to go into for that reason. It's a big question. It's a complex issue, and in a in a way, it's a bit it's a bit sad that we have to still be talking about the, You know, we're talking about it in acting as well, and and, and films, and you know, and it, it so it, it's. It is part of the zeitgeist, I guess, because of where we are as a country as well and and, and where we are in the Western world in general. Um, but, it, yeah, we're talking about huge issues here. Um, so it's it's just an issue that I, I prefer not to comment on. You know, other people like Rupert will, you know, will want to say those sort of things or will want to sort of point those sorts of things out. For me... It's it's not important. I'm first and foremost uh, a woman, and I'm first of all uh, also a woman who happens to be a soprano, and who has been lucky enough to enjoy a certain measure of success in this industry. Um, and there are uh, lots of for not just for me, but for everyone in that rehearsal room, there are lots of peaks and troughs in that. Um, you know, lots of sort of struggles in that. And, uh, it, yeah, I think we've kind of got enough on our plate to be dealing with. 
um, it, yeah, it's it's just not it's just too big an issue, I think, to to go into. We often look to the US as a more representative opera community. However, the statistics available don't necessarily back this up. For example, of 368 principal performers in the Mets 2019 season, just 36 would be AME singers, with 27 of these appearing in Porgy and Bess. In the National Endowment for the Arts' latest audience survey, 6.2% of audiences for opera across the US were from BAME communities. It's also interesting to note that 75% of audiences had a university degree and 40% earned over $100,000 a year. It should be said that ballet, classical theatre and even musical theatre didn't fare much better. But Alison feels that statistics might not tell the whole story in the US. You know, I'd, I, I'm not surprised. Um, if I go to a, a, an opera, whether it's at the Met or, or you know, Chicago, wherever I go, I see people of colour. I see Asians, I see, you know, and you can always tell it, if you go to the Met, you can always tell who's singing. So if I hear a lot of, like, Spanish-speaking or or Argentinian or something, then the, the star is Argentinian, not the stars. You see a lot of Koreans, the star is going to be Korean. Um, because that demographic support, the people that, you know, if you have somebody up there, you're drawing in new people. Um, so I'm not, I'm not... Doesn't shock. I'm, I'm not shocked to see because I expect to see diversity on the stages of America. They have had um, from the time of uh, Robert McFarren and um, uh, Marian Anderson, you know, blacks filtered into the opera, and so no one thinks twice about it now. Uh, and America is a large country, and so you have many, 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 many singers, many of them. Um, and also orchestras. You, could, you, I was married to a violinist, and he could put together a black orchestra overnight of a huge, of a wonderful standard, standard. Then there you have composers, you know. So there's a there's an infrastructure there, which is what we don't have here. Even, you know, Pegasus has worked for 20, 28 years doing this, but there's still, um, and I would say that not maybe the very youngest generation, but every singer has had some dealing with Pegasus over the years. Um, but it's still not commonplace. As as we move forward, you know, you have Ch uh, Ch Chinike Orchestra. Um, the last production we did, we made sure that we had a lot of black players in the orchestra. And this next production that we're doing in April, we're going to have black creatives as well. So it's giving people an opportunity to show their work, to hone their craft so that it becomes just commonplace. I finished our chat by asking Alison if there was one thing that she could change to help black singers in the UK, what would it be? Well, I mean, ultimately, the wish is that they all, all these young, aspire, the young generation of aspiring singers of colour, be able to, my, I would wish that they can leave school and go into programs um, where they can continue to hone their craft, whether it's grants and things to help them pay for lessons and things, or young artist programs, whether it's just filtering into all the companies um, or I don't know. Just It's just opportunity to hone your craft so that you can then say 
this is, you know, what, this is who I am as an artist. And it takes time. It doesn't just happen. I had lots of opportunity. But, you know, after being out working for a little while, you sort of find your feet and you, and you own who you are. And, and that's, um, that's a big part of then being hired, you know, having that identity. So that would be, that would be my wish. And for Pegasus, you know, we, we, I, 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 what I notice with black singers, so I hear, like I said, they're very good, very wonderful, wonderful instruments. But there's a little sort of, if I just see that they're, they're, they're not as polished sometimes because of where life has taken them. You know, ultimately, if everyone, if, if you have this, the, if you're enable, able to hone your, hone your craft, hone your skills, brush up, get your performance chops up, then you, it will be more of a playing, even playing field. And then I think that you would be able to kind of be filtered in. But then, I, you know, now I'm heading in two minds again, because but you, you still have to change the, the thought process of the people that are hiring still has to still that that culture that pervasive um racist or sort of mindset that you have to also change let us know your thoughts on this issue and this episode by contacting us at info at operacast.co.uk we'll be back in a couple of weeks with our regular programming discussing the latest news from the world of opera including an exclusive interview with the fantastic elizabeth llewellyn Operacast Extra will also return soon with a day in the rehearsal room at the Royal Opera House. Thank you for listening. <laughs>